Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Breaking on Safe Space. I'm Carter, and I'm joined by a very cold. <laughs> Hi. I'm still doing Kofefi. Still doing Kofefi. Uh, well, as a reminder, Kofefi is a show that we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, it does not always involve Carrie freezing her ass off. She'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, it's kind of just a news catch up thing, usually. Um, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You might be unsubscribed on YouTube because they like to unsubscribe you. So if you are, you want to go check on that. Uh, you can also support the show by going to unsafespace.com. You can buy merch. You can donate. Um, and our next book club is February 21st, and we are reading Thought Criminal by Michael Rechtenwald. It's short and easy, so you can start now and totally get it done by Sunday. Carrie. Uh, What's going I'll just on say, in the great state of Texas? <laughs> there's a lot of snow here, and they, the power keeps going out. Uh, and so then the heat, when it goes out for hours at a time, and then it's pretty cold. And I'm not going in the cafefe room because it's too cold in there. This is the warmest room. <laughs> it's so, cold in Texas. All right. So if, if you lose me, that's just because we had another brownout. That's what's going on. Well, but, hey, California is exporting our technology to texas already we've brought yeah. the ideas and the progressives now we are bringing brownouts now you're bringing um, brownouts <clears throat> soon maybe you'll have forest fires mixed with brownouts because those are that's a good combination look i just um, have to show you this because it's super cute okay. and I, I know you don't like too much frivolity so i'll just do a little bit right up top and then we don't have to do it again it's finally cold enough that tiger can wear this wait wait hold on hold on i'll just put it in full screen there we go oh no uh, this is Wait, is that is that Grogu? Uh, no, it's Yoda. Yo it's yeah, Yoda. sorry, Yoda. Yoda. Grogu is the cuter He's version like, of Yoda. You, you have Yoda. See, look. Yeah, okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, Tiger, for that quality. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, he's probably not going to bark at the mailman in here. So at least we have that going for us. Oh yeah, that's good. He can't. He can't hear the front door. I have I had a weekend of frivolity because uh, this is the way my wife rolls. She she had Chinese New Year off. So she went out and bought a PlayStation and a bunch of games and she sat oh. on the couch and played Cyberpunk yes. twenty seventy seven and she got me playing Yes uh, The Last of Us. Is that what it's called? Yes. The original so, one? The good one? I don't I guess it's the original one, yeah the the one that starts out with a kid dying and whatever and yeah oh i um, i see i haven't played it because they don't make it for i have an old xbox 360 and they don't make it for that but everyone says that's the best one and the second one is woke oh well this one does not appear to be woke at all um so uh i am enjoying it good it is a bad use of my time but it's a little sometimes bit quality is necessary yeah, yeah just sometimes it's it's only a problem no. if if any like any thing if it if you use it, it too much it's okay to play video yeah games. i have the kind of personality though that this is why i don't usually have game consoles in the house <laughs> because like i'll be addicted and then i'll get it out of my system and then i'll be like i need to throw it away <laughs> or not buy another game or whatever like i need to nah. not have any more access to this so uh yeah <laughs> but uh the other one the one she's playing the cyberpunk 2077 is like very complex <laughs> It's like oddly complex. So I whatever. read some stuff about that game. 
um, trying to remember. Maybe people in it's chat. It's kind of like a modern one. version of like. Uh, I think it's it's similar to um, Grand Theft Auto, but like in the future with like lots of biotech stuff, and you're paying attention to all this crap at once. It looks horribly complicated, so I'm just going to avoid that one. Um, anyway. I, anyway, that was too much frivolity for an opening of a show. Okay. So, Welcome to Daily Frivolity. <laughs> yeah, we're already. You know what? Can we? We actually already have a couple super chats. Okay. Um, so I think we might as well put them up. Uh, the first one, which has already scrolled off because it happened before the show started, uh, Mickey the Fourth says, "You know what? I never thought we could be worse off than the USA, but my country proved me wrong. We're going to have elections without election law. I don't really know anything." going on uh oh i am in the czech republic so i don't know uh i don't know what's going on there but everyone there's it's definitely possible to be worse off than the u.s i mean we're catching up to a lot of countries i mean we're still better than many places uh but yeah but don't worry we're we're gonna catch all the worst places as fast as possible um also two more that came after the show started one just from azor saying happy valentine's day carrie carter and everyone happy valentine's Um, day Thank you, Azor. Happy Valentine's Day to you. You know, I don't care. You're going to, maybe this will ruin my reputation with you. I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I've never celebrated Valentine's Day. I've told every person I started dating from day one, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Do not expect it. And I have kept that. I used to kind of be like that, but now I, now I just take any opportunity I can to have, you know, even if it's manufactured by greeting card companies. Fair. It's still a nice, fun, you know. <clears throat> I don't make a big deal out of it. We were joking, actually. It was like, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't get you a Valentine's Day gift. I was going to take you to a monster truck rally, but it was canceled because of COVID. And then he was like, oh, that's okay. I was going to take you to the opera, but that was canceled, too. Canceled. And then it, we just <laughs> kept building. The Magi, kind of, we just sort kept of, building whatever. from there. I was like, oh, that's because I was going to take you to the roller skating rink after. And then he was like, oh, oh, that's too bad because I had planned to... Uh, I can't remember. He was like, oh, I got you t- VIP tickets to a Bob Wills tribute band. First row, first row seats. And that got canceled. So anyway, we just kept going on from there. Nice. So you had <laughs> like a been... fantasy Valentine's Day. Yes, it would have been the best <laughs> Valentine's Day ever. Except for uh... COVID. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tax Terra gives you five bucks for your power bill. I don't think it's that she didn't pay her electricity bill. I think it's just. Thank you. It's not that, but, uh, but you know what that'll come in handy for? Here's something you have to do. I don't know if people in cold weather have to deal with this, but we have all the faucets in the house running slightly so the pipes don't freeze. But uh, the one of them, the two of them, one one in the kitchen, it doesn't, it wasn't running enough. And so now you turn it and nothing happens. So we're just not touching that because if it's frozen, I don't want the pipes to burst. It's that and cold that the pipes are freezing? Yeah, the pipes are frozen. It's going to be it's not one degree. It's cold in the Bay Area. It's going to be one degree tonight. One degree. <laughs> oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Like, Ooh. it's very cold. So How? How did that happen? I don't. Thanks. Thanks, Trump. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Biden. I'm sure it's late Thanks, somehow. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, the last the last super chat to start the show is uh, C. Jones uh, gives us two bucks for Tiger's frivolity fund. Thank and you. <laughs> Tiger does need a frivolity fund, so yeah, uh, that is good. 
All right. And oh, and somebody in the chat, this is not a super chat, but it's somebody was saying, thank goodness all those knitted goods. Yes, I do. Mm. Thank you guys very much. This hat was made by Heather296, and I'm loving it today. So, anyway. Awesome. Yeah. We need it. You need it. <laughs> um, oh, wait. Sorry. One more. Two sisters and some yarn says, uh, yeah, for a live one, I can catch. Sorry for the cold. Oh, front. yay for a live one I can catch. Sorry for the cold front. It's punishment because Latoya the Destroyer canceled Mardi Gras. <laughs> I don't even know, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I like the sound of it. What is who's Latoya the Destroyer? I don't know. You got to tell me what's happening in the news. I've just been, uh, I've just been on this like freezing thing. Oh. Also, I went okay. to my church yesterday and it was canceled for the first time ever. It's never been canceled during the pandemic, but it was canceled because of the snow and the ice. And uh, oh. I would have known that, but I don't go. I forget to go in my church's Slack. I've got to go. There's all these things. We have Discord. We have Slack. We have email, social media. It's very complicated. Well, and then and then I'm trying to get you to use Notion. It's horrible. It's a horrible life. Um, Tell me what's says, ERCOT er power markets are nuts. It's good to be long on ERCOT. Oh, uh, I don't know. But thank you for the investment advice. Thank and you. Blackbeard says, how'd it happen? Global warming bigot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, global warming. All right. Um, well, so here's the thing. There actually hasn't been a lot of news this weekend. And I feel like our coffee breaks have been going really long. And we haven't been having conversations about anything other than just like rifling through the news because there's been so much happening. Yeah. Um, and you know, this weekend, uh, Trump got acquitted in quotes, which I don't, I mean, we can talk about if you want, but that's not that exciting. Um, but I thought we could talk about something, we could just have kind of an open discussion about something that I don't think you and I have ever really delved into deeply, but it's in the news a lot uh, lately because Biden's got plans, which is uh, the minimum wage. I don't know what you think about the minimum wage. Well, I used to think that we should raise it because I believed the standard line from my tribe, which is if you care about people, why wouldn't you raise the minimum wage? And I never thought more deeply about it than that. And um, and then I read an op-ed once I started thinking, got kind of out of that completely SJW left echo chamber. And I read an op-ed that was explaining that sort of how People on the left, and I'm sure this happens on the right too, but I'll just say as someone on the left, I see this happen a lot. They will say, you have to agree with our, you have to agree with our how, or otherwise that means you don't agree with our why. And what I mean by that is they'll, they'll, they'll say um, why we want to raise this because we care about people. And because we care about people, how are we going to help them? We're going to raise the minimum wage. Now, if a conservative says, well, I don't, want to raise the minimum wage. I don't, I don't think it was going to help people. I think it's going to hurt people. They don't hear any of that. A lot of the time on the left, they'll just say, well, then you don't agree with our why, right? Like you don't want to help. People. You don't care about people. That's you don't care about reason. people. And right. there seems to be this inability to grasp. And again, I'm sure it happens on, on the right as well. I just, I, I don't see it that often because I'm not on the right, but in the, on the left, I've seen this for my whole time on the left really is that if, 
if conservatives disagree on policy positions on the how of doing something, then automatically there's this assumption that they don't share the why, that they don't want to help people and they don't care about people. And it took me a while to see that that's not true. And I've, I've read some conservative arguments against the minimum wage. And, you know, they right, rightly pointed out that if you look at the cities who raise it, a lot of times it puts small businesses under. So there's less opportunities for employment because small businesses go out of business or small businesses that therefore have to cut wages. I mean, cut um, hours because they can't afford, yeah, they can't afford to have you on the clock as long. So they cut your hours or they cut the number of employees, which hurts people. So I think, I think that there's an argument to be made and I tend to lean more towards that argument now, which is that the government coming in and telling a company that a small business that they have to raise the minimum wage, well, that's none of the government's business, A, and B, there's evidence that shows that it actually probably hurts people more than it helps them. If you weigh it out. Okay, well, no, that's, this is good because you're farther closer, you're closer to me than I thought you might be. Um, but I think it's still good, uh, cause I think there's still a lot to unpack here. Um, so first of all, just in the news, but there's a proposal to raise it to $15 an hour minimum wage. That's what's going on. And Biden is likely going to try and push that through. Uh, I don't know. I think he might've already done something to try and move that forward, but, uh, that's kind of the next big thing. And I think it's probably will pass. I think we're probably going to see a $15 minimum wage because the Democrats have the votes to do this at um, the federal level. So we'll probably see it. Um, and I guess I guess I would like to do a few things. Um, one is talk about the morality, the morality of it, as, as separate from the uh, evidence that you were talking about, like separate from the evidence. And then, um, and then talk about some of the evidence and how it's presented because there is a lot of this is one of these subjects that it's actually quite simple, but the left has spent so long trying to overly complicate and confuse you that you think you need to rely on studies of its effect in order to understand some very basic economics, right? Like, oh, I guess we need to see what the experts say when they study blah, 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 what the effects will be. Like, none of that's actually necessary if you understand fundamentally what's happening. Um, but let's... Let's just talk about morality for a second. Everyone talks about the morality of getting paid, right? Like, you, I people deserve more money, right? And the 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 you know we're gonna force companies to not pay them below some amount. No one ever talks about the reverse. We're forcing you to not accept an amount, <laughs> like you're not allowed to work for a wage that you want to work for. Right. So for example, if you're in high school and this, and I'm going to use the high school example explicitly because this is how people gain skills to become worth more money on the market over time. If you're in high school or junior high school, whatever, you're a kid, you want to learn a little bit about, I guess probably high school legally. You can't, I don't remember. I guess 16 is the law in most places or whatever, but or 15. Um, if you want to learn more and gain some skills, well, you got to take, you're not trying to support a family. It's not like you, you don't need to pay rent. You, you live with your parents, your parents pay for your clothes and your food and 
any expenses you have. What you're doing is trying to build your resume and learn. And so you might do something for five bucks an hour. You might actually intern for free. In fact, in California, I ran a startup, um, as you know, in the music space, and we had a flood of college kids who like probably wealth, I mean, probably from wealthy families, I, I don't know, but like totally didn't give a crap about money. They wanted to work for us for free because they wanted to get the connections in the industry and meet people and learn the ropes on stuff. Like they just the wanted same. to work for free. Yeah. At our, our entertainment company, music and, and comedy, we had college interns because, yeah. because, yeah, because they're there to learn and they're learning something they can't learn in the classroom. Right. Uh, and, and California's basically made that illegal. You can't really do that at all in California. Really? Yeah, you can't. You can't do that. Since when? You can't have free interns. Oh, several years ago. You can't have free interns. Wow. Um, you, there's like some things where if you have a partnership with an accredited university and then blah, blah, blah. But if it's if you're not going that official route, you can't just be like, hey, we have like volunteer interns come work for you. You can't do that. Um, so in fact, uh, this wasn't in California, but there was a one of he was a leftist dude who was pushing all of this. Uh, everyone should be paid the same thing. And he was such a charlatan. I forget. I think it was in some northern uh, like Pacific Northwest state where he he flipped it on its head. He wasn't allowed to have interns um, and he was pushing all this equality crap or equity crap, I'll say. Uh, so what he did was he declared his his workplace an educational institution and you had to pay him to intern there. Uh, so that he... <laughs> that's so smart. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But like that's like out of one side of his mouth he's doing that and the other side he's all like minimum wage should be higher really? and CEO shouldn't make so much. Yeah. Wow, yeah. what a hypocrite. Cuz that's how leftists are. But, but yeah. also also clever. Smart. Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> clever. Um <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. So, okay, so you're telling people not to work. So what does happen? Like, let's just go back to the high school kid for a second. If you might not be worth, let's just pick 15. You might not be worth $15 an hour. Maybe you don't have any skills that are worth $15 an hour. Like, I run a shop or whatever. Like, I run a coffee shop or whatever. Like, you're just not, you know, you're bad at math. You can't <laughs> do the cash register. Like, I don't really trust you to make, you know, macchiatos or whatever. Like, I... I don't have a job for you, but I do need the floor swept once in a while, and maybe you could sweep outside in the front of the, uh, in the front of the store, and I would pay five bucks an hour for that, uh, just to have you kind of run around cleaning some crap up. But it's not really worth more than that because I can overload my current staff and have them do it if I need to. But you know, but you learn those things. Maybe, maybe you become trustworthy. I start trusting you more. You kind of work your way up, and then then you go to another store later. Oh, I've already done these things, and while I was at the coffee shop, I also learned how to do X, Y, and Z because I had to. And and that's how you build your skill set. It's and the the analogy that a lot of conservatives uh, use, or I'll say conservative econom, uh, economists, is the lower rung of the ladder. You think of think of like the your wages as a ladder to, I guess, infinity theoretically, right? Um, the minimum wage is the lowest rung, and you want that to actually be zero. You want anyone to be able to take as small of a step as possible on that first ladder to start learning some stuff and work their way up the ladder as they gain skills. You don't want to chop the ladder off at 15 feet and be like, well, if you can't reach that, too bad, right? If you're not already that high, you can't play the game, and you'll never get you'll never get into the you'll never get onto the ladder in the first place. So. 
it, there's a moral argument to be made for this, which is just you own your you own your body, you own your life, you own your time. It's your decision how much money you are willing to take for an hour of your labor doing whatever it is that you're offering. Um, that's just a moral argument. Isn't it Likewise, your, body, your body your choice? Yeah, I've heard that before, but I'm not sure where. I'm sure it's totally unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, your body your choice. Uh, people, the reason I'm bringing that argument up is because a lot of people will make the moral, moral argument from a business owner's side and for a variety of reasons, people hate business owners for some reason. So if you say it's immoral to prevent the business owners from doing blankety blank, that is hundred percent true. It is immoral. They have a right to their business and to pay people what people will, will accept voluntarily, but you don't get as far with that argument because people are, you know, business owners are greedy, horrible people they like, they're like you know, evil trolls. No one wants, no one cares about the rights of business owners, but the rights of the workers are being affected. Okay. So put the moral, put the moral arguments aside. Let's now let's just talk about, uh, let's talk about a couple of things. One, let's talk about the history of the minimum wage. Do you know the history of the minimum wage in the United States? I don't. Well, it was progressives who introduced the minimum wage, progressives who were into eugenics. And the idea behind the minimum wage was we don't want undesirables procreating. And the undesirables, like former slaves and immigrants and people we just don't like, uh, they are taking low wage jobs. And this allows them to sustain themselves. So what we need to do is have a minimum wage so that they can't work, uh, so that they don't get the jobs, they don't lock the good people out of their jobs, and only the good people procreate. And the people that we don't like in society, eh, they die off. That's the origin when, of the minimum what, wage. What year was that? Uh, a late 19th century. So, but is that, that's not the way they, is that the way they pushed it? That's not the way they sold it. Yeah. So them wrote explicitly about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's been whitewashed. Now the argument is, well, that might've been the origins, but now we do it because we care about those people. But I just want to be very clear. They knew at the very beginning, the effect that raising minimum wage would have on the people who couldn't meet minimum wage standards. They knew very well what that effect was. Uh, and they did. that's why they did it. By the way, I think you froze. I'm wondering if your power went out and we're just gonna, I'm just gonna talk to a Carrie picture for a little while. We're gonna let Carrie come back. I'm going to continue with the minimum wage discussion a little bit. And I'm gonna try and interact with chat a little cause I don't like just doing a live show, talking to the camera by myself kind of sucks. Um, so we will, hopefully get Carrie back and I'll just have a more interactive show with you guys. So I will pause my minimum wage discussion there to take a look at some chats. So um, let's see. Richard Pett says, greetings, Carter and Carrie. This is the first live stream I've been able to watch in a while. Great to be back with you guys and all the wrong thinkers. Welcome, Richard. Adam Coleman, the minimum wage laws are supposed to be to help the poor, to help the disadvantaged. They're the most anti-black laws on the books. Milton Friedman, yes, thank you, Adam, and for bringing that up. In fact, um, I would wanted to share this with Carrie while she was here, but if you're interested in the racist origins of the minimum wage laws, there's a great uh, article uh, at the Mises Institute, Mises being the economist that I have a perpetual man crush on, um, and uh, 
I mean, Walter Williams has written about it. Um, Milton Friedman's written about it. But here's here's Walter Williams writing. The earliest of such laws or regulations passed in regards to the railroad industry at the end of the 19th century, as Dr. Walter Williams points out, quote, on some railroads, most notably in the South, blacks were 85 to 90 percent of the firemen, 27 percent of the brakemen and 12 percent of the switchmen. The Brotherhood of Locomotive Firemen, unable to block railroad companies from hiring non-unionized black workers, called for regulations preventing the employment of blacks. In 1909, a compromise was offered, a minimum wage, which is to be imposed equally on all races. To be to the pro-minimum wage advocates, this may superficially seem like an anti-racist policy. Uh, but it was not, actually. It had the effect of... Uh, this new rule, wage rule, of course, did not eliminate racism. Instead, it displaced the racism at the expense of black workers. One white union member at the time celebrated the new rule for removing, quote, the incentive for employing the Negro. This early minimum wage rule was explicitly put in place to prevent African-Americans from finding employment, and it was successful in this goal. And then it goes on to talk about 1930s. Um, all, the, all these laws that they mention here. Uh, served to price African-Americans out of the job market. Because remember, this is a time when a lot of African-Americans didn't have the educational background, and so they needed that that rung of that ladder to be lower to the ground so they could uh, climb that ladder and over generations uh, achieve parity with the rest of society through you know working their way up just like everyone else uh, has over the course of history. So... All right, let's go back to a couple more super chats. Um, <clears throat> Chris Patterson says, this is a one for Carrie. Sorry that she's not here, but he says, Carrie, you might want to check if any of your neighbors who voted for Biden still have their power and heat on. Just saying, wouldn't put it past them. Good good question, Chris. Uh, KL Sun says, employers will find alternatives to $15 labor, like robots. Buy a robot, sweep the floor. Capital replaces labor if you make labor expensive too. Yes, we will talk about that. Um and Liberty Solutions, which is Keith the Hat Guy, says the group robots for the 15-minute minimum wage say $15. When do we want it? Now. Now. And that's the robots speaking. <laughs> um, and Sandman says run, runner, says shouldn't. So shouldn't we have a maximum wage also? Right. So uh, all those are good. All those are good comments um, and accurate. So I think it's worth just talking briefly about. So we talked about. I mentioned the history of the minimum wage. I mentioned the moral argument. Uh, let's just get into the um, let's get into the practical aspects of it for a minute because um, there is a push by the left, uh, pro minimum wage advocates will say, um, to say, "Hey, um, I know it makes I know you think that increasing minimum wage is going to affect um, negatively affect the job market, but in employment, but it doesn't. We it turns out we've had experts do studies." And that's not actually what happened. Um, I'm going to show you an example of this. This is an article from The Atlantic in 2017. And this is just the kind of language that you can expect to see. This is the condescending language they'll make. The curse of Econ 101. When it comes to a basic policy question such as minimum wage, introductory economics can be more misleading than it is helpful. Because the introductory economics argument is, hey, you've got to pay more for each worker. Therefore, you can have fewer workers. That's how math works, right? That's the introductory econ. 
And this is the argument used against minimum wage, and you just heard Carrie talk about some of those things. And this article is a long, convoluted way to say, well, that's not always true, and here's a bunch of studies. I'm not even going to read. It's not, it's not worth. I just wanted to show you the headline. It's not worth reading this article. Um, but this article does cite some studies that were done that supposedly show, well, it doesn't actually have this effect. So I want to talk about that for a minute because this is a bait and switch. It's a red herring, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, basic economics does not say spending more per worker means you can hire fewer workers. That's not what it says. That's not what Economics 101 says. People use that as, in a, as a simplified example of how to think about it. But that's not technically what it says. Technically, it says spending more money means you have less money to spend. That's kind of all it really means. So let's think of an analogy. Let's imagine that you are, let's imagine you're at Netflix and um, I don't know how much they charge a month right now, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, I don't know. Let's pretend it's 10 bucks for simplicity. Um, and you say to your boss, well, I think we should charge 20 bucks. I think we should double the price of Netflix. Uh, and you've got, let's just, just say you've got uh, 10 million subscribers, we'll just use easy numbers. You got 10 million subscribers paying 10 bucks a month, okay? So you're getting 100 million bucks a month from your subscribers. And you say to your boss, I think we should double it. We should say we should charge 20 bucks a month. That way we'll get $200 million a month. And your boss says, yeah, but some people, some people are going to opt out. Like some people will pay double, but you know, some people are going to say, I don't, I don't want to pay for Netflix anymore. 20 bucks is too much. And, and you guys, you know, you guys have that argument and then you decide you're going to analyze the household and you say, well, um, if they if they have a budget for entertainment, then um, uh, then that then that will totally happen. They might you know we're going to charge twice as much. So now they got to take that. They don't have they only have a ten dollar budget for entertainment for movies, and they're spending it all on Netflix. And so like they're going to have to drop out. We're going to lose those people. Um, but if you then let's say you try it, and it turns out you don't lose people. It turns out everyone still, they just all pay double, all of them. So now you're making $200 million a month. You can't turn to your, you can't turn to your employer and say, well, we didn't affect the economic, uh, economics of households at all. We had no effect on the economics. They just paid more and it didn't matter. Um, see, they didn't reduce their Netflix consumption. They paid more. So therefore they're made of money. That's not how it works. They took that $10, that extra $10 from some other household budget item. Maybe they had a $10 entertainment expense budget item in their house, and that's how much they were willing to spend. But when Netflix doubled the price and they had to spend 20, they said, well, I'm going to stop eating at McDonald's for, you know, once a week or, you know, once a month, whatever it is, I'm going to save 10 bucks and I'm going to put that towards Netflix because it's more important than eating at McDonald's. And so uh, that money did come from somewhere. It just didn't come from the entertainment expense, right? And the, the reason I'm, I don't know if it's a great analogy, but the reason I'm trying to bring it up is if you own a business and someone increases your labor cost and they say, hey, now you've got it, you're paying people 10 bucks an hour and now you got to pay them 15 bucks an hour. There is zero argument 
to be made. It doesn't matter how many PhD economists the left has working for them writing complicated arguments. There is literally nothing they can do that will disprove the fact that as a business, you spent more money paying those employees more. That money must come from somewhere. It doesn't have to come from the employee pool. Maybe your payroll expenses just go up because you realize, I gotta have these people, we can't have fewer people, we just, our, our payroll expenses are gonna go up. Well, that money's gonna come up from somewhere else. You're gonna take it from something else. Maybe you don't invest in some future stuff that you're going to. Maybe you cut in some other area. Maybe you cut some services. Maybe, maybe if you're McDonald's, you realize, oh, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> selling breakfast is too, it's not economical anymore or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't matter or we're selling, I don't know what they say. I don't go to McDonald's, <laughs> whatever. Shamrock shakes, do they still do shamrock shakes? Um, hey. Selling shamrock shakes, it's not worth it anymore. So we're gonna stop doing that. Whatever it is, something changes because you've spent more money. That's all that Economics 101 actually dictates happens. All it dictates is you've spent more money. That's it. And that money needs to come from somewhere. There is no leftist counter argument to that. Zero. There can't possibly be. It doesn't matter how many studies they do to prove, well, we, we raised the thing here and workers didn't lose hours and blah, blah, blah. Fine. Something, but some effect happened. We know that two plus two is four, not five. We know something must have happened. It doesn't matter how much you run your mouth writing articles in the Atlantic or pretending to publish studies or publishing studies that say, well, in this state, McDonald's raised their wage and the number of McDonald's workers didn't go down and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, there's a bazillion factors that are involved in the, the number of people working at any given point. And there's nothing dictating that actually that money has to come from those particular employees. Maybe they fired someone whose job it was to, uh, I don't know, procure beef and now their beef quality has gone down. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The point is it does have an effect and you can't possibly argue that it doesn't have an effect and expect to be taken seriously. It must necessarily have an effect. It would be like saying, whenever you jump up in the air, gravity will pull you back down. There's no argument to that. I mean, I, I guess if you jump high enough, you can get escape velocity, that notwithstanding, there's no, there's no argument that like, well, we did some studies and some people jump up and they might not come back down. Like, no, I'm sorry, that's not, you didn't do those studies. It can't possibly be, that's not how the laws of math and physics and nature work. You can't do that. You can't produce money from nothing. You can't pay $15 minimum wage if you were paying 10 and have it not cost you anything more. You can't. And the idea that suddenly, oh, they're just gonna take it from the fat cat CEO salaries. No, they're not. No, they're not. Because there's paying, I mean, CEO salaries aside, I think that's a that's an issue for shareholders to determine. I do think a lot of CEOs are overpaid, but hey, you're the shareholders, you voted for the board, that's what you wanna pay, that's up to you, right? I'm not, it's none, none of my business, but that's not what they're gonna do. Someone brought up robots, two people brought up robots. The former, I remember reading this years ago, the former CEO of McDonald's, uh, this was at a time when there was a lot of minimum wage arguments happening again. I mean, this, this push for 15 has been happening for a while. And I don't think, I think this guy's no longer the CEO of McDonald's, but at the time I remember reading uh, about this push for, for 15 and it was focused on fast food workers. And I thought, well, let me learn a little bit about McDonald's. So I, you know, I went and I looked up the CEO and I was like, oh, you know, what's his background? 
guess what his background was? Robotics. <laughs> like, do you think, I mean, it seems like maybe a fast food restaurant wouldn't have a CEO with a background in robotics, but if they're smart, they do because they know they're going, if you can, if you can spend the capital outlay, maybe at $10 an hour for an employee, the capital outlay is not worth it. It's not worth investing the money, right? To have, to develop robots. Robots are expensive to develop. Uh, there's probably going to be buggy at the beginning. You got to work the kinks out. It's going to be a huge cost up front of capital to get the system working properly with robots. You'd rather just pay everyone 10 bucks an hour, but 15 bucks an hour. Well, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big increase. Maybe suddenly robots become, uh, maybe suddenly robots become worth it. Uh, and the capital outlay is now justified. So does it happen immediately? No, maybe it takes 10 years for you to replace your workforce with robots. And the, the stupid Harvard economist that does his little study in your state, and it's like, well, McDonald's didn't fire anyone. In fact, they've grown their Yeah, maybe that's true, dude. But have you been paying attention to their R&D? What have they been investing in? In 10 years, are they ready to roll out an entire employee-less McDonald's stores? And that's gonna change the landscape of McDonald's forever? Quite possibly, right? You know that that money comes from somewhere. So this idea that raising the minimum wage has zero effect, zero negative effect, it comes with no cost, is the most moronic, imbecilic argument you could possibly imagine. And anyone who makes it is either functionally retarded or dishonest. There's only two choices. They, they're either retarded or dishonest. And I think most of these people are dishonest, right? Because I don't, I, you can't not know this. You know it with your own household. If your kid comes to you and says, hey, college tuition's twice as much this year, you don't just say, well, I'll cut CEO pay. Like, well, that money just grows on trees. Sure, kid, enjoy your double college tuition. Like, it, that's not how finances work. That's not how they work. Unless you live in a fiat system, which we can talk about in a moment. Um, all right. I'm gonna do a couple of super chats before I move on because I really don't like ranting uh, live <laughs> with no one to talk to. It kind of sucks. No one. To, I don't know how people do it. Uh, all right, I'm just missing Carrie. All right, Marie Buskey says decades of minimum wage in New Zealand has led us to being one of the greatest high cost, low wage economies in the world. Be careful what you wish for. No one should be wishing for increase minimum wage. Uh, Brian K says, here's $50 for Gary's uninterruptible power supply fund. Thank you, Brian. In fairness, um, even the UPS, I thought, because I have a generator, I have a UPS, when, our, when we had our brownout, um, I was like, oh, it'll be great. I can still do coffee break, the internet. Or, you know what? Uh, my internet service provider, if you don't know how internet works, unless you have like a satellite dish, most people have like, uh, you know, a DSL or a cable or something. They have some physical connection the hub to a hub that's not too far away. And that hub's got servers in it and connects everything. Well, uh, here in the Bay Area, Comcast, who is my provider, their hub didn't have power. So my generator, it worked for the refrigerator and for the lights and, you know, everything else. But internet did not work because Comcast didn't bother to have a generator. So... Uh, I'm not sure she'd be able to do coffee break anyway. And let's see, 
the captain's log says, how do you think the minimum wage will affect socialized medicine or taxes? In New York, we have county tax on top of state taxes. Oh, God. I mean, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, all right. We can talk about taxes for a moment. By the way, you can tell what the motivation of some of these leftists leaders are when they um when they decide to push for increased minimum wage uh <clears throat> i know a guy who is developing uh robotics like advanced robotics that can be kind of programmed to do anything kind of like a hand like it's actually like a human hand that can be programmed to do stuff um to replace workers and um so uh, you know, he pays attention, obviously, to, to robot stuff, and I, I pay attention to it a little bit. There's a push. Well, there's talk, not push. There is talk already, already, about, well, if we start replacing workers with robots, maybe we should income taxes. The robot should have, like, an income tax. Like, we should decide how much the robot's value is and tax that every year. And But, like, they are all about collecting their taxes. So, uh Local, state, and federal governments who are worried that firing employees will uh, hurt their tax base are just going to try and literally just tax robots. They're going to be like, well, you have robots, and we're going to tax your robots. So uh, as ridiculous as that sounds, uh, that is the direction they're going to go. Um, so in terms of taxes, I mean, you said in New York you have county tax on top of state taxes. One thing that Trump did that really hurt people in California, and I think was the impetus for some people leaving. Um, but as much as it hurt us, uh, I kind of like it in terms of its fairness, um, is your federal income taxes, used to, your, sorry, your state income taxes used to be deductible um, before you paid your federal taxes, right? So states that had um, high state income tax you didn't feel the pain quite as much because you could deduct that from your salary before counting it for, you know, before calculating your uh, federal tax. And so you didn't pay, uh, you didn't pay the sum of your state income tax plus your federal income tax. And Trump got rid of that. So you actually paid more. If you're in California, you pay a lot more under Trump because you had to pay California, but then you couldn't deduct your California taxes from your income. So you paid taxes on your entire income to the feds. And what the, the I believe the reason to do this, and I, and I think this was the motivation behind it, is that it pushes states to compete with one another and pushes state taxes down, right? Because people hate that, right? California was getting away with having, having high taxes, but not having its people, uh, its residents feel the weight of those taxes, because they could just be deducted from federal income taxes. And so the full weight wasn't, you still felt some weight, but the full weight wasn't as, wasn't felt as much. And so I think Trump's argument was, well, this is, you know, California is getting away with reducing federal income. Uh, I hate, I hesitate to use the word income to describe tax revenue. So whatever. Um, <laughs> California is getting away with reducing federal income, but they are not um, feeling the burden that they should feel. Their people are kind of okay with it because they get to deduct their state taxes. So this created this extra pain for people in high tax states, which is, I think, one of the reasons you saw people like Elon Musk and others decide, screw California, I'm leaving. Um, so anyway, uh, what effect will minimum wage have on 
taxes, I think it's hard to say. I mean, it depends on how that money gets reallocated. If you spend the same on your payroll as you did before, it'll have net zero effect on taxes because you'll fire some people and raise the wages of other people or reduce hours of some people and raise, you know, everyone's wage or whatever, whatever combination thereof. And you'll spend the same on payroll and therefore your taxes uh, will end up being the same. Um, however, you'll have some people out of work. And so the expenses for the government will go up because there'll be unemployment or, you know, whatever, there'll be people on, on assistance. So that that's the, uh, that's the cost there. Or or like I said, a business could do something that doesn't involve, it's not as direct. They don't, it doesn't affect their payroll uh, budget. They take that money from somewhere else. And that's a harder thing to measure. You know, they have to take it from somewhere where they take it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, how will it affect socialized medicine? Uh, I, that's a good question. I don't know if minimum wage itself affects socialized medicine. Uh, well, I guess it does if they if they let go of employees because then now those employees don't get their health care through their employment anymore, which means they are now completely on government assistance or, or government health care. So uh, it would have that effect if, if that's what happened. All right. I'm going to read through some, uh, some of chat a little bit. Let's see. Oh, you know what? You know what I do also want to mention. So, so that's the minimum wage stuff in a nutshell, which is it's immoral. It's immoral for both the employer and the employee. Uh, you have a, a right to interact or wage. Um. So it's immoral. It also necessarily means businesses have you're increasing the cost of a business and increasing the cost of business does necessarily have effects they will spend less somewhere else or, or they will curtail their growth or whatever something something will happen um and those effects are negative uh because mucking with someone's business is always negative uh but how they manifest it's not clear usually they do just manifest in a very straightforward way we don't want to increase payroll expenses, therefore the costs get just thrown right back onto employees. Um, they could result in higher prices for consumers, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's lots of things that could happen. Um, I do want to talk about the sign behind me because it made me think of this. Um, and I know economics is a subject that I think a lot of people, and again, it's, it's too bad Carrie's not here, but a lot of people get, they feel that economics is very detached from reality and like it's easy to get passionate about abortion or get passionate about not not that abortion is not important uh it's easy to get passionate about let's say trans rights or you know um black lives matter stuff or racism like it's easy to get passionate about critical race theory being pushed in the military uh in fact gracie west sent me a sent me a thing the other day maybe i'll even since since i'm here and i'm just kind of random uh by the way, Carrie says she her power is out, so that's why she's not back. Gracie West, who's been on the show before, she sent me this thing. This is be, this is going around the Navy. I pledged. Uh, this is how old I am. I'm gonna take my glasses off. 
I pledge to advocate for and acknowledge all lived experiences and intersectional identities of every sailor in the Navy. I pledge to engage in ongoing self-reflection, education, and knowledge sharing to better myself and my communities. I pledge to be an example in establishing healthy, inclusive, and team-oriented environments. I pledge to constructively share all experiences and information gained from activities above to inform the development of Navy-wide reforms. Now, this is not everyone in the Navy. She says that uh, this statement is required for a subset of the Navy, a task force committed to social justice warrior agenda. Um, anyway, I don't know why. That was just a random side, side note. But uh, economics, the ring. It seems like it's easy to get excited about all this other stuff, critical race theory and, and whatever. And, and it is. And economics seems divorced from things. And and they make economics kind of complicated. Uh, you know, you turn on CNBC and there's a flurry of numbers going by and people talking about, you know, federal interest rates and will the Fed do this and what about that? And, you know, it it's, seems like this complicated, complicated thing. And, and when it's complicated to a lot of people, it's boring. A lot of people just don't give a crap about how all this works. They don't care. Uh, and understandably. The trick is, uh, I was thinking about how in in Lord of the Rings, the ring's actually gold. And and also, remember the, remember the um, I, I first heard this in the movie Aladdin, but it may come, it probably predates the Disney movie Aladdin, but this is, I heard it out of Robin Williams' mouth. Uh, maybe it wasn't his character. Whatever. I heard it in that, in that movie years ago. Um, the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. That was the, that was the joke. The economic system, the ability to control the economic system, the ability to change minimum wage, for example, or taxes on various things. It's the ultimate power that anyone can have in society. It really is the ultimate power. Um, and what you do, if you wield that, it's, it's, you're wielding the power of gold, just like the ring is gold. Um, it corrupts you to wield it, just like using the ring corrupts you. Everyone's fighting over it, all, especially the evil, like evil people want the power because they want to use, like they, they want that power for themselves. And the really the only way to survive, for good to survive, is to throw that ring of power in the fire <laughs> of Mordor or wherever you threw it, to throw it into the volcano and melt it. You can't have that power. And that power is the state power to touch the economy. That's what that power is. It's the state's power to regulate money, to, to get involved in money. Because as soon as they can touch money, it's a game over. And especially, and it, you know, it metastasizes to the point where first they just set the value of the dollar. Next thing you know, they're setting minimum wage laws. Next thing you know, they're, I mean, they're setting price controls, which the government has done and continues to do. Um, that Here's how that gets wielded. You whip people up into a frenzy about something that they feel like they deserve. They deserve more money. I want minimum wage to be higher. I'm a minimum wage worker. I want it to be higher. So I tell you that I can make it. I can, weigh, I can wield my gold ring and make your minimum wage higher, which I can. 
if I'm a politician and I have the ring, if I have the power, if I have control over the financial system, I can. If I can affect finance, I can make your salary, your wage higher. Um, you might lose your job, but you might not. And, you know, I don't have to tell you that might you lose your job part or there might be other long-term negative consequences. You don't care about long-term negative consequences. You're just going to make more money. I can do that. And it's a way to win votes. Um, and it's a way to win influence because you can run around promising people. You can run around saying, I don't like how high prescription medication is. We're going to have a rule about how, how much you can charge for this particular medication. And everyone who likes that medication and everyone who empathizes with people who have to buy that medication say, yeah, we should do that. But what do they ignore? Well, they ignore the fact that it took some amount of money and effort to make that medication in the first place. And you've dis disincentivized the next piece of uh, the next medication and the next uh, the next development. Um, and of course, they blame all the problems on the free market, both both with respect to uh, businesses and with respect to uh, pharmacy, uh, pharmaceuticals and healthcare. Both of those are the, the government has already everything that's happening has already been touched by the ring so much. Um, for example, why does your I don't probably not everyone in this chat has run a business before. You think that if you spend fifteen dollars on uh, on an employee that it costs you fifteen dollars, but it doesn't. A $15 employee costs you maybe $25, uh, maybe not quite that high, depending on where you are. Um, it costs you $25 because you've got payroll tax and you've got other, so you've got some of it's just overhead you're going to have regardless of the government. Like you, if they need a desk, you need to have the space for a desk and office supplies. If they have, if it's a you know low wage worker who's not going to have a desk, well maybe you need a locker space and you need to buy a uniform and you need to train them. Like whatever it is, there's some overhead. So, you know you got to even if it's just very minimal, you got to cut paychecks. There's some cost to that, right? So there's some overhead that you have even without the government. But then in addition to that, the government has wrestled their way into a whole bunch of things. Well, why why is your health care tied to work? Is your car insurance tied to your job? Why the hell is your health care tied? Does, it, does anyone wonder why their health care is tied to their job? It's not a free market development. Um, it started out as a free market reaction to <laughs> government intervention when the government froze wages. Thank you, FDR. Uh, when the government <laughs> froze wages, businesses we responded because they were trying to attract talent. You couldn't, you couldn't get people, you couldn't offer more money. What could you do? Well, you could, perks. What's one perk? Healthcare. What did the government do? Well, we'll make healthcare deductible because they have the power of the ring. They have, they control what's tax deductible and what's not tax deductible because they're taxing everyone. So, hey, we'll make that deductible and you can have that as a perk and blah, blah, blah. So now your healthcare is all tied to, and now it's, it's really intricately tied. I mean, even, even, uh, even the socialized Obamacare crap, you can't get, uh, you can't switch over to Obamacare coverage unless it's during a special enrollment period, unless you lost your job or jobs change. I mean, it's now recognized as this intrinsic thing related to your job, which makes no sense. There's no, there's no reason. Why is your, you know, it's not like uh, the grocery store that you shop at is related to what job you have. It's not like, hey, welcome to Microsoft. Your, your stores are Safeway and Whole Foods. Good luck. 
you know, here's your chit to go buy food at Safeway and Whole Foods. That's not how life works. You go work at your job and you get a paycheck. Why the hell is your health insurance tied to it? It's tied to it because of the government. Um, so similarly, uh, you know, similarly with um, pharmaceuticals, right, in the pharmaceutical industry, um, you know, you can't just manufacture a drug. You can't just say, hey, I've got something that I think works for this. Here's the studies. Here's the results. These are the risks. Anyone's free to buy it and try it. No, you've got to go through this laborious approval process with the FDA that takes seven years and has all this, you know, red tape and trials and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, look, I mean, some people are terminally ill and they don't give a crap about your trials. If there's a chance that it will work, they'll take it. They don't care a crap. Some people rightly are going to be more cautious. That's really should be a free market thing. There should be, this should be determined by the free market, but it's not. It's determined by um, a bloated, stodgy <laughs> federal bureaucracy, which is why for advanced drugs, sometimes you have to go outside of the country to get them because they're too new and the US hasn't bothered to approve them yet. Um, and it makes developing drugs extremely expensive. Um, you've got to hire <laughs> not only all the scientists and and people to do go through the process but generally you have to kind of have lobbyists and you know you have to have you have to grease the wheels and have a close relationship with the the fda to get anything done um i'm kind of rambling on a tangent here but all this is related to why when you give the government it, fundamentally there's two ways for people to interact with each other by force or voluntarily that's kind of that's kind of it fundamentally right i mean we're running around the woods with no government anywhere and we we run into each other in the woods there's we can either not interact and just ignore each other and go away but if we're going to interact there's basically two things we can do one of us can threaten and intimidate the other or use some kind of bring force into the equation somehow either through threats or actual force to like steal stuff from the other person like we can we can exchange goods that way or we can say voluntarily hey I, you know, I have some extra chickens, you have some extra oranges, I would like to trade chickens for oranges. How, how about a chicken for, you know, a dozen oranges? Okay, great, whatever it is, okay? Um, and that's voluntary. And we both get to decide whether that makes sense. And we only do that transaction if, if we both feel like we benefit from it, otherwise we don't do it. Um, those are fundamentally the only two ways people can interact, through force or voluntarily. That's, that's it, that's it. Those are the, those are the interactions. Money is simply a more convenient way to barter. That's all it is, because I don't want to run around with chickens and oranges, right? It's, it's, it's impractical. You get a modern society, you run around with money that we exchange. That's what that is. So you can go buy your oranges or your chickens or whatever. When the government gets involved in that money, their hands are in every interaction that any two people ever have that's that's why they can get up in your business um and they can have i mean we've already talked about this and i won't talk about this on this show but they can massively they can make massive impact to the future of how people interact generally they can inflate so that your kids have to spend you know your kids have to spend uh 
a lot more paying effort paying that inflation back, that taxes back. They can lower the value. They can borrow against your kid's future. They can lower the value of money. Um, they can affect how people interact with one another on a massive scale. And they can do it in a, on a micro level. They can say, well, we have the power to dictate this interest rate or tell you what minimum wage should be or tell you what this price should be. That power is the most overlooked and most dangerous power that the federal government has. Um, it's their it's their power over money. And that's why you should pay attention to money. That's why this stuff matters. This stuff matters a lot because lives are at stake. Lives are at stake for all of this stuff. If you care about people, you care about who controls the money. And I don't mean who the rich people are. I mean, who controls the value of money? Who controls the money? Who can, Who tells you when you have to pay someone else something else? Who tells you, who sets prices? Who sets rules for how you can interact with other people with their money? Who sets the price of money? That's what matters. All right, I'm gonna do some super chats. Um, Frank, or just chats, basically. Because uh, I don't know if we had a lot of super chats going on. Let's see. Um, actually, we might we might have some more super chats. Let me refresh. Oop. I've got some janky software. They, you guys, the the nerds will love this. But I'm running, I'm running a stupid little Node.js program that uh, saves super chats for me. But um, npm start. Sorry. I had a broken pipe, so it died. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, let's do some. Let's do some super chats. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Sorry, guys. It just takes a minute to pull those super chats up. Okay. Uh, the next one I see uh, is from Kobula, and that says, the minimum wage makes it harder for people to start a small business. This keeps people dependent on larger established corporations. That's an excellent point that I should have made. Thank you for bringing it up. It does. In fact, all of these regulations make it small, harder for small businesses. And uh, it's amazing to me that people don't see that. And I think... If I were, if I could wave a magic wand and have every high school student, like in terms of economics, if if I could have them do one thing, it would be it would be start and run a business. It would be run run a business so that you can see what it's like to run a business. Because once you've run a small business and started to run a small business, uh, a lot of the stuff becomes crystal clear. A lot of the stuff becomes really, really not always. Some you know enough indoctrination can overcome any amount of reality smacking you in the face, but it does help. Um, so yeah, great point. Uh, Rebecca says, Carter, although we miss Carrie, you've done a great job running solo. Thank you, Rebecca. Excellent examples and analogies to clarify economics. Maybe someday Carrie's eyes won't glaze over when you discuss it. <laughs> I understand why they do though, because it seems very disconnected, right? I mean, you can talk about <clears throat> Kids in cages, that's, that's very visceral. And if someone says, well, actually, the Federal Reserve, blah, 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 it's like, oh, I mean, your eyes, it's, it's like this crap that's happening. First of all, no one really even understands who's in the Federal Reserve and what they're doing and why. So it's like this opaque thing. 
and and that and the the effects of it trickle down in in ways that are you know generally predictable but not specifically predictable like you don't know exactly how it's going to play out when they raise the minimum wage i don't know exactly what that's going to do to mcdonald's employees but i know generally it's a bad thing i know generally it's the cost that's being increased and it will have ripple effects um and that kind of stuff just seems you know, it's vague. Hey, there's going to be ripple effects. That's dangerous. That doesn't sound as bad as like this particular thing is happening, but that's how they get you. It's, 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 uh, the authoritarians know that to rule you, they just have to be super boring, right? The best way to rule you is just to be really boring about it because then no one pays attention, right? So what's the most boring subject? That's where the danger is. It's economics. It's the most boring thing. No one like people are happy to talk about censorship in big tech and this and that. lots of other subjects are more interesting than economics. No one likes listening to ec economists. No one likes to delve into this this economic crap and regulations and blah blah. No one likes to talk about that. It's boring for a reason. It's boring so they can get away with it. Right? The more boring it is, the more they can get away with cuz you don't no one pays attention. Why would you? It's boring. Uh Okay, Sandman says, run runner, says here in Alberta, Canada, the minimum wage was raised to 15, the provincial government received new taxes, the federal government got more, but take-home pay went down, <laughs> right, <laughs> because that's what they care about at the end of the day. They like to like, they like you to think that they care about the worker, but they care about, the... what they care about is they want the worker to feel obligated to them. They want they want to be the savior. You can't be someone's savior if they're independent. Like you, you can't you can't white knight someone if they're not in distress. That's what they're trying to do. They want the workers in distress so that they can rely on the politicians in the future for all the crap they need. That's it's it's very simple. You have to be in distress. And if you're not in distress, we're going to convince you that there's some stress and you're in distress in some way. So you we can be your savior because that's how we get the power, right? You relinquish more power if you feel like someone will fix the crisis that you feel like you're in right now, regardless of whether it's a real crisis, it might be. Um, but, uh, you know, they're willing to step in and say, well, just give us the ring, um, give us, you know, fortify our ring of power and we'll take care of your crisis. Um, and of course, yeah, of course their solution involves you being more reliant on them. That's the purpose, that's the purpose, so. Uh, <laughs> Renault Vaccio says, I'm super boring. Can I be a dictator now? Possibly. Uh, I, so actually the dictator is not the boring one. Usually they're the ones with charisma, but you could be the chief bureaucrat. Uh, you could be in charge of all the execution that the dictator wants. Uh, I, I meant that metaphorically execution, but, or I meant that in the business sense, but maybe, uh, you could also be in in charge of other executions. As long as you do a nice, boring job, no one will care. Um, Judson says, he's talking to someone else, but he says, I love Mises to pieces. I, yeah, I gotta say, if you are at all interested in, okay, this is not a beginner book probably, but this is by far the best book ever written on economics ever and probably will be the best book ever written on economics for the next 100 years. I don't see anything outdoing this book. I really don't. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating work, and um, 
If you actually really care about that, you can look that stuff up. So, okay. We went through that. Okay. Let's see what else I got today. I mostly wanted to have a conversation with Carrie about minimum wage. So this did, this was poorly planned. I apologize. It was a poorly planned confetti because now that Carrie's not here, we didn't get to have it. Oh, um, does it, Scott Wellman asks if it has pictures? No. And I will admit it's very, it's dense. Look at, look at the, look how thick it is. And <laughs> the font is like, I can't even, the font is tiny. The font is tiny. Uh, someone says Mises and Seoul. Yeah, Seoul is a good place to start, actually, um, if you don't want to jump into Mises. Uh, Seoul is much more accessible. The other thing I wanted to talk about with respect to um, related to finance stuff, I guess, or the government involved in, in labor is one other thing we hear often, and I just kind of want to debunk this since we're talking about Mises. Um, You hear this idea pushed by progressives, whatever. Um, <laughs> someone said that the human action looks like an average read. You're a better man than I am then. Uh, anyway, one another thing you hear, another uh, argument that you hear make is this is one of the, the, th- the points against not having the government involved. You can't, well, you gotta, if you don't have the government involved, you know, those robber barons will do really horrible things. One of the ones that talked about most is child labor laws. And the argument is, well, the horrible industrialists exploited children. And these poor children were not you know, making crap and dying in factories, and it was horrible. And the good old, you know, the, the magnanimous government officials came along and saved the poor children from evil capitalism. Of course, Marx loved this idea. Um, you know, you see it in, uh, Charles Dickens, who, who's writing, I like generally, but you know, hard times is one of these, <laughs> these books that's like, you know, woe is me. Capitalism is horrible. All the capitalists are evil and uncreative and just out to destroy people and, and boohoo child labor. And, uh, here's the thing. Leftists love to do this. I'll say leftists, I mean pro-government people love to do this. They look at some problem that exists currently, and they pretend, they, they conveniently forget what five minutes ago looked like, and they blame freedom. Because when they blame capitalism, by the way, capitalism fundamentally is just property rights. <laughs> They're blaming liberty. When they say it's capitalism's fault, what they mean is we gave you too much freedom. That's what that means. It's freedom's fault. It's liberty's fault. That's what that means. So they'll look at some problem. Uh, They'll conveniently not remember what the world looked like five minutes before. And they'll say, this problem exists because of liberty. There's too much liberty. We need to take some away i.e. capitalism caused the problem. We need, don't worry, we'll come and fix it. And of course, inevitably they come in, they do something. Yeah, sometimes it's a non thing. Uh, they, they codify something that was already happening. Uh, child labor laws uh, are an example of that. Or they screwed up more, more often they screwed up more. 
So uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna quote I'm gonna quote von Mises from this book Human Action. He's talking about uh, even though factory wages were very low, quote, they were nonetheless much more than these paupers could earn in any other field open to them. It is a distortion of facts to say that the factories carried off the housewives from the nurseries and the kitchen and the children from their play. These women had nothing to cook with and to feed their children. These children were destitute and starving. Their only refuge was the factory. It saved them. In the strictest sense of the term, from death by starvation. This is how humans were prior to the Industrial Revolution. You had a large family because your kids died and you needed people to work the farm. The idea that capitalism invented child labor is brain dead. It's a lie. It is an absolute lie. Capitalism made it better. Instead of dying of starvation in the fields, you got to work in a factory and make some money. Maybe died. It was dangerous. Not a lot of money, but better, which is why no one forced them. This wasn't forced childhood labor. People didn't drive out into the farms and round up the kids and steal them from their families and bring them to the factories and force them to make widgets. They went there. They went there. Either their parents sent them there voluntarily or they went on their own volition. And they did it because it was better than the shitty alternative of dying in the field of starvation. It was better. And child labor was already starting to go away as standard of living increased. No loving parent wants their kid to be working in a factory like that. So as standards of living increased for most people, it started to decline and people were like, well, no, why don't you go to school? We don't need to, you don't need to go to the factory. It's dangerous, right? Um, it's not, it's not worth it. As that was happening, the government stepped in and said, we'll save them. And they passed a law. Okay. But that was already happening. It was already, the free market was already taking care of that. The law wasn't necessary, and it was only used to vilify capitalism. But capitalism was saving these kids. It was saving, it's, it sounds horrible to say, but that's just because people don't like facing the stark reality of what life was like for humans prior to the Industrial Revolution. It was not, there was no like... <laughs> It wasn't this Hollywood utopia of like prancing around with Bambi and in, in like convening with nature. This is not, it wasn't this like lovely utopia where you, you sat around and like, you know, ate your harvest until you were stuffed and your 14 kids were all survived and had a great time. Your kids died. They died of starvation. They died of disease. They died like life sucked. Life sucked. Your life expectancy was what, 40s? In the 40s? Life was horrible. It was hard and horrible. Just look at how animals lived. <laughs> life was horrible. We were kind of just like an upgraded animal for a long time. But the Industrial Revolution changed that because it, A, recognized private property and allowed people to keep what they uh, earned. And, obviously, uh, it glorified technology and science. It allowed, you know, 
people to make discoveries that were useful, that were engineering discoveries, like the steam engine or whatever it was, and start producing, right? Not everything was great. Obviously, there was corruption at the time. Obviously, there were bad people uh, doing bad things. Of course, there have been bad people doing bad things throughout all of history. The question to ask yourself is, what was different at that moment? Why did things actually end up getting better for all of humanity? Why are you living better than a king did 400 years ago? Now, no matter how poor you feel you are, you're, that's, it's because of capitalism. It's because of private property. It's because of the freedom afforded to people to go invent, build, create stuff that other people wanted to buy voluntarily. That's why you're here. All right. Um, Richard Pett says, hey, Carter, have you heard of the podcast Complete Liberty? For anyone here, it's worth checking out. Cheers. I have not. Um, I don't know. I mean, the title's nice, but I have not heard. I've not heard. So I wanted to debunk the child labor myth. I also wanted to bring up this. I've talked about Janet Yellen before. This is just a random, I guess this is just a rambly coffee break about economics. Janet Yellen was the former chairman of the Fed. Um, she's now the treasury secretary, or I guess, yeah, she's the treasury secretary for Biden. I don't know if she's confirmed, but I assume she was. Uh, I, I didn't pay attention. And <sighs> when you have money, now, treasury secretary, in charge of the treasury, let's look at how money touches other things. Here's an article from the Wall Street Journal today. Yellen is creating a new senior treasury post for climate czar. Yay, climate czar. Great idea. Love the word czar, by the way. It makes me feel very democratic. Uh, okay. She plans to wield the department's broad powers. Oh, okay. There's, there's not, they're not faking it. Janet Yellen plans to wield the department's broad powers to tackle potential risks to the financial system posed by climate change while pushing tax incentives to reduce carbon emissions. Well, look, the financial people in charge of the financial system have a tremendous amount of power, as it alludes to here, the department's broad powers. Um, and basically, there is nothing that money doesn't touch, right? Almost nothing that money doesn't touch. So anything could be declared a risk to the financial system. Um, so she says, hey, well, there's climate change. There's a potential risk of, I mean, by the way, even she still has about potential. Potential risks to the financial system. Okay, what are these risks, Janet? What are these risks? For So she likes to be vague about it because, you know, asking for specifics is too much. But here we go. The, the Wall Street Journal is going to be more specific for us. For example, mortgages in coastal areas are vulnerable to hurricanes and sea level rise. New mortgages issued for U.S. coastal homes have exceeded $60 billion annually in recent years, according to research from economists Amin Ozad and Matthew Kahn. Okay, let's, let's, let's not argue climate change crap. I don't want to argue climate change right now. Let's assume that climate change is real. And, and I don't just mean real. I mean like real in the catastrophic sense that the climate alarmists are pushing, not just a little bit real, but fully, fully AOC real, right? Okay. Now, if you're buying a house on the coastal area, I guess you're taking a risk. 
right? The Obamas bought a, didn't they buy something in Martha's Vineyard? I guess that's the definition of a coastal area. Um, they bought, what is it, $8 million residence recently? You're buying a house, I guess, that's vulnerable to hurricanes and sea level rise. Well, of course, you should know that if you're buying coastal property. By the way, coastal property, <laughs> they don't say this in this art- article, but coastal property is not a minimum wage McDonald's worker kind of house. People who buy coastal property uh, are millionaires. This is not regular people don't buy coastal property. But okay. New mortgages issued for U.S. coastal homes have exceeded $60 billion annually in recent years. Okay, so I, I just have a question. Who cares? Who cares? So some people are making bets that climate change, including Obama, by the way, making a bet. He's placing an $8 million bet or however much his house cost. He's placing an $8 million bet that climate change is not really what it's cracked up to be. Who the hell cares? It's not going to hurt my house. That's his bet. He put down however much money he put down for the house, took out a mortgage, if he took out a mortgage, or maybe he paid cash, I don't know. But he's taking a bet on the house that climate change is bunk. That's Obama's bet. Obama is betting that climate change is crap and that the sea levels are not going to bother him in Martha's Vineyard. The hurricanes aren't going to be a problem. He doesn't believe, no matter what he says, he doesn't believe in climate change. He doesn't believe it's this problem because he bought a house in Martha's Vineyard where he's living. So obviously he doesn't think this is a big deal. If he loses his money, why does Janet Yellen care? If the banks lend him money for a house that's going to be flooded underwater in 10 years, who the hell cares but the the, the bank and the owner of the house? Why does Janet Yellen get involved? What, is it a big tragedy if, if coastal homeowners make bad bets? Who cares? Let them make bad bets. If they lose their money... Because climate change is real, won't they feel bad? And won't everyone else look around and go, we should have listened to ALC. I guess she was right. Climate change is catastrophic and coming tomorrow. What a great lesson to teach people. Let them lose their money. But Yellen knows that this is bunk. She knows it's bullshit. She's just doing this. She's using this as an example. She's saying, well, this thing could happen. So now I have to sweep in and do some other crap for my climate agenda probably related to the Great Reset. By the way, if you haven't seen Ian's latest video on the Great Reset not being a conspiracy theory, uh, go check it out. It's um, on the Great Reset playlist on our channel. Um, and Ian K does a great video about that. But this is this is just a, I, this argument. <laughs> okay, it's, this is one thing that could happen. That's true. That is a thing that could happen. Why does this mean you should have more power to do something? Why do we need a climate czar? Because Obama might be making a bad bet. I don't know. Such shifts could reduce the value of assets owned by... So this is another thing. Such shifts... She's talking about energy markets. Such shifts could reduce the value of assets owned by oil and power companies and increase the riskiness of loans. Okay. So actuaries who make those loans, who do the calculations at banks, won't make the loan. Or they will charge more for the loan. What's the point? This entire argument is things happen and we need to be involved in them. Stuff happens. Things change. Sea levels might rise, so we need to be involved. Hey, uh, there might be more reliance on renewable energy and less on fossil fuels, and that could affect oil tycoons, so we need to be involved. Who the hell gives a crap, Janet Yellen? This is a farce. This is an absolute farce. This is just an excuse to create a climate czar position 
likely to help usher in the Great Reset. That's what that is. There's no, no rational person reads this and goes, oh no, people in Martha's Vineyard might be underwater. I hope we have a climate czar from the Treasury Department to help out with that. Sorry, it pisses me off. I'm sorry. M. Tax Shark gives us five bucks and says, the, fa the founders noted, quote, mankind are more disposed to suffer than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. And the exception being the founders themselves, uh, unusual men in history who decided to not suffer and actually abolish the forms. <sighs> And so I feel like I got upset on that one. I'm sorry for ranting. <laughs> All right. I don't have a lot more to say about that particular topic. Um, I do have... <sighs> I, guess there's one, I guess there's one other thing we could talk about, which is not... Super related. I don't even know if we want to talk about the last thing. Um, yeah, I don't even care about the last thing. It's about politics. I'm going to skip it. I don't care. We were going to do a short coffee break anyway. It's been an hour and a half. You know what? People in chat, if you want to... Oh, Carrie's back. Carrie, I just saw, I just saw a chat message saying, tell Carter I'm back. She's back. Thank the heavens. Carrie has returned. Uh, Carrie, where are, why are you not there? Well, I see your video. You're not there anymore. You were there, and now she's gone. She was back for a moment. Come back again, Carrie. Come back again. I was going to go. I was going to end the show. I do feel lonely, Aditya. I know. I feel, I do feel lonely. I, we didn't, you know, I didn't do coffee break so I could rant by myself. Uh, I would just do a standalone show if I wanted to ramp by myself and probably organize my thoughts better. Uh, Coffee breaks about a conversation. So, uh, yeah, sorry. She's she looks like she's there to me, but she's actually not. When I do it, when I click on it, she's just not. See, she's not there. Oh wait, she's here again. Oh, there she is. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is significantly <sighs> colder now than it was before the power went off again. But you're back. You have internet. <laughs> I'm back. The power just came back on. And uh, who knows how long. And I actually, I haven't been this, I also don't have cell service for some reason. So I have an interview later and I, I haven't, we're so used to these devices and everything working. I'm like, how do I get in touch with that person and tell them I can't <laughs> be on the interview maybe. And Uh-oh. At least it paused on a nice picture. Look at the nice smile. She's got like sparkles around her head and a nice smile. That's a, it's a nice way to remember Carrie's internet connection. Uh, I'll just, we'll just pause on it for a moment. There's her internet connection. Adieu, adieu, Carrie. Uh, all right, so I am gonna wrap up. Um, Unless anyone wants to, uh, unless anyone wants me to talk about something else, just put it in chat. Um, Richard Petz says, "There's no need to apologize for ranting, Carter. There's plenty to rant about. I know, I know. There's a lot to rant about, but I don't know. I, I, sometimes I don't, I don't like ranting as much because it's, 
maybe isn't as convincing when people rant. I don't know. I mean, I'm just in a mood. Who knows? And yes, I realize there's a bunch of people uh, watching. So uh, when I say I'm lonely, I don't mean I'm lonely from you guys. I just, you know, I I don't get to have an actual conversation with you. I'm just watching this, the stream of chatters. So uh, the person that I get to have an actual conversation with isn't trying to wait. Is she back? Oh, she might be back. She's back. This isn't reliable, obviously. I see that. So if I yes. cut out again, we're just kaput. I'm not going to try it. All right. <laughs> Damn you it. probably didn't hear any of my did stuff. Oh, well. I ranted about economics, Carrie. Uh-oh. And Carrie's gone again. All right. Well, that's not as great of a picture as the other one. So we'll remember the previous picture. Uh, someone wants us to talk about Gina Carano. I don't have a lot to say about her because uh, we talked about her on Friday. And other than that, she's awesome. And uh, I've reached out to her to have her on the show, but she has not responded. So if you know Gina Carano and you haven't in to Gina, tell her. Or I actually emailed her lawyer and I emailed her agent. Nothing. Crickets. But she's probably in demand right now because she's way more famous than our show would be. Uh, would would be justified by coming on our show. So uh, Liberty Solutions, which is Keith the Hack Guy, says, how about an explanation of why, if you support $15 minimum, that $100 minimum should be even better? Chap topic. Yeah, I mean, that's a good argument to use against them, right? Which is, why not $100 minimum? Um, and, you know, what it, what it does is, I've, I've actually never heard a decent response to that other than, uh, oh, wait, Carrie tried again. She said she wasn't going to, but she did. Okay, last, this is the last time, because I... I think my VPN was, I just turned my VPN off. So anyway. Oh, it was your VPN? Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm sorry. This is, I hope you had a good show, Carter. I'm catching you here at no, the end. Right. I mean, you know, I just kind of ranted about some economic stuff and you should go watch it later. So, you know, okay. what I ranted about. Good. But um, I did, it was lonely without you, Carrie. I wanted to have a discussion, so yeah. it was tough. But um Lydia says, uh, or sorry, Lydia, Lady Della says, any chance to have Avins O'Brien on? Yes, she was going to come on a while ago, and then we just never organized it. I've known Avins for years, and uh, we can have her on. I, I should bug her. I'll bug her. She said, uh, for those of you who missed the Unframe of Mind stream, Avins is a piece of work. She's fun to have on, and... Uh, I think she makes a lot of people question a lot of their assumptions about things. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, back to the the why not hundred why not two hundred. I've not seen a good argument, right? Fifteen dollars. Um, if why not hundred dollars an hour? Why not two hundred dollars an hour? Why not a thousand dollars an hour? I mean, you know, what does Bezos make an hour? Some in the millions. He makes in the millions an hour, right? I don't I don't know what how many millions, but why not that? Right? Why not? Why not make everyone a millionaire? Right? It the the people pushing for minimum wage know deep down that there is an economic economic impact, which is why they're not proposing a million dollars an hour minimum wage or a thousand dollars an hour minimum wage or even a hundred. Uh, in fact, they kind of want you know they've been wanting more. Like you'll see articles of like, oh, thirty three is better than fifteen. Like okay, okay, but like they know not to push too hard because at some point their position becomes observably ridiculous to anyone who's remotely paying attention oh crap i thought we we're gonna have carrie for a little while longer she's gone again oh well 
Um, so yeah, I haven't actually, has anyone in chat seen a good counter argument to that? If you say to someone pushing for minimum wage, if you say, why not a hundred? Uh, does anyone know a good counter argument? I haven't seen a good counter argument to that. Um, oops. I pressed the wrong button and Carrie came back and I removed her. <laughs> I didn't mean to, I meant to put her back on screen and I pressed the remove button. Sorry, I'll, I'll tell her to come back. Maybe she won't. Anyway, uh, yeah, I haven't seen a good, I haven't seen a good counter argument to that. I, I feel like the show's kind of winding down. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to keep you guys for too long. So I will let you guys go. Thank you. Uh, Richard Pet says no. Oh, I already read that one. No need to apologize. Okay. I will, I will let you guys go. Uh, the best argument you've seen in chat is that $100 is silly. <laughs> right, because they don't have an actual argument. This is just not based on a principle. Because you can make a principled argument, which is you have a right to determine your own wage and agree voluntarily with who you pay or get paid by. Like, that's the moral argument. Then numbers are irrelevant. Or you could make an economic argument that, well... There's no moral case. It's fine to have someone with a gun force you guys to have some sort of economic transaction in some way because I'm a statist. That's a horrible case, but you could make it and then say, well, it's all about practicality. Well, you know, 15 is reasonable, but 30 is not, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, then the question's like, okay, well, why is one reasonable and not the other? There has to be some reason, and that, that reason presumably is that there's consequences to this behavior. There's consequences to this action. Uh and if there are consequences, then we should find out what they are and stop denying them. Because if there are no consequences, $100 is fine. All right. Carrie's going to come back just to say goodbye. goodbye. Who knows how long she'll be here. This is more distracting at this point. I'm sorry. Just this, That's okay. Yeah. We're going to end the show soon anyway. I apologize. Okay. I, I kicked you off. When you came back, I was like, oh, good. And I pressed the wrong button, which was removed. It's Either way, this has gotten this is like a comedy routine at this point, and I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all right. <laughs> and someone messaged me already, um, uh, uh, Cowboy Carpentry, and told me that yeah, I'm gonna need someone to come heat up my pipes, and that's not a euphemism <laughs> because uh, I do have old copper pipes, and they are frozen. At least one of at least the kitchen one. Oh wow. Well, don't. So yeah, well, I gotta go I mean, figure that out. You don't want it to burst. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go I've take heard. care of that. <laughs> and she froze again, just like her pipes. All right. Well, um, a couple. I'm going to, before we end, I'm going to make a couple. There are a couple of things that I've seen recurring in chat, so I'm going to answer them. One says, uh, this is from Scott Wellman. He says, Carter, if we could drive 50 miles an hour, why can't we drive 200 miles per hour? Uh, you can if you'd like to. Um, <laughs> the driving thing is funny because like you can drive whatever speed you want on the, it depends on who owns the road. They get to tell you how fast you drive on the road. Uh, so if I own a racetrack, uh, I'd probably make you sign an extensive waiver so that when you crashed in a fiery blaze that uh, I wouldn't be held liable, but you drive however fast you want, who cares? Uh, Okay, now we have government run. Well, as soon as the government's involved, then we have to start having these like, okay, well, what are the, you know, what are, what are the speeds and blah, 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 blah. I mean, why not make it five miles an hour? We'd have fewer accidents, right? That's true, right? So it becomes this trade-off that is no longer 
a personal decision between two people, but becomes this kind of gross community decision where people with power get to decide crap. So you end up with unrealistic speed limits or either stupidly low speed limits or speed limits that are actually too fast and don't make sense and people dying. Like, you end up with crap. I mean, the end of the day, the government shouldn't own the roads. I mean, it's, <laughs> there are private roads uh, in the world. And as far as I know, those private roads have speed limits that are set by the owner of the road, uh, which is how speed limits should work. So uh, you absolutely can drive 200 miles an hour. Uh, in fact, in Germany, I think even public roads, the Autobahn is no speed limit. Uh, someone else says, morally justify me profit. This is a, it's a funny question because it's like this loaded question. Why would you ask, morally justify me the color red? No. Why would profit be immoral? What's the what's the bad? What's the dirty word profit? Is it a porn thing for you? Is it a fetish that profit's evil and dirty? What what's your problem with profit? I don't have to morally justify profit. Profit is when I offer you something, you voluntarily in exchange for something else, you voluntarily give me something, and I end up with more than I started because I added some kind of value, at least from your perspective. What's immoral about that? Like what? What do you mean morally justify me profit? By the way, I don't know what you meant by that. So if <laughs> maybe I'm misinterpreting the question, but like I don't have to justify profit morally. Why? Why profit is just value you added. Like it, you know. If you if I take uh, here, I'll give you an example. I used oranges before as an example. I buy oranges. I buy a warehouse full of oranges in bulk. Because I buy in bulk, I get them cheap because the guy, the farmer, doesn't have the infrastructure, time, energy, desire, anything to try and sell individual oranges to you. That's a pain in the ass. He wants to grow oranges. So he grows oranges. And I say, I buy all your oranges. And I give you a price. And I take the oranges. I say, okay, great. Now I'm going to sell the oranges individually. Now I've got to have the infrastructure and I do all the work that he doesn't want to do and I get you the oranges. I offer you an orange for sale. I say the orange is 50 cents or it's a buck. If you don't like it, don't buy the orange. Don't buy it. You don't have to have an orange. Certainly not from me. Grow your own orange. Go to a farmer somewhere else. Go to another distributor. Don't eat oranges. doesn't matter. You don't have to have the orange. So if you want the orange, you buy the orange. The difference between what it costs me to do all that and what you give me is my profit. I'm doing it because I want profit. That's what I'm doing. That's why I'm doing it. I take that profit. I put my kids through college. I buy a yacht if I'm very successful. Maybe I start another business. Maybe I invested and that gets, you know, Carrie has an Apple warehouse and I invested in her Apple warehouse. It doesn't matter. Why would profit be evil? Why is profit anything that needs to be morally justified? It's a, it's a stupid Marxist concept that profit is somehow something that needs to be justified as if your hands produce all the value. Your mind, the, the, the thing that produces value, the most value is the, your mind, your mind. The person who invents the cancer drug is way, way, way more important than the guy who's pulling levers on the assembly line, cranking out the cancer drug. That guy, you pay the, the inventor, you pay the, the, the product of your mind is what moves society forward. Yes, we need actual labor. I'm not trying to ditch 
this actual labor. I'm not trying to say it's not valuable. It is valuable. And if you're good at it, you command a higher wage than if you're kind of crappy at it. And, you know, if you're unionized, you, you know, I guess you've chosen to get paid what everyone else gets paid. Or I don't know how unions, it depends on how the union works. But, you know, like, this is just, the free market is just people voluntarily interacting, voluntarily giving people things in exchange for other things. There's no, there's no immorality that comes in. Profit is not a dirty word. All right. Oh, actually, uh, someone clarifies. Orange man, bad. You're right. I forgot. That ruins my entire argument. Uh, the so the, oh so the person who asked this says the only reason you can make a profit is because you can exploit people. Ah, exploit them. It's a dumb argument. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna justify that with a response. What retard? Go away. You can exploit people. <laughs> what does exploit mean? What is it like? It's just, it's so, it's so pathetic and envious and small to have that attitude. It is so, you're a small person. You're a small, pathetic person if you think that every profit is exploitation. I, it's just, you're a, an, a jealous little bastard. And I don't, you don't have, you have no place in polite society. Just go away. Go, go somewhere else. Share with your commune. Do your communism thing. Let the rest of us adults exchange voluntarily and have the responsibility and freedom to do so so that I make a choice about what I buy and I don't feel envious or resentful that someone made a profit off of the iPhone that I bought. It's such a childish, stupid thing. I'm, I can't even... <sighs> All right. You're getting pay it means you're getting paid less than your work is worth. No one gets paid less than their work is worth. Your work is worth what you get paid for it. There's no intrinsic worth. There's no God of economics. There's no like God in the sky that's like, well, picking a peach cost is, is worth this amount and making an iPhone is worth that amount. You get paid what your labor is worth by definition. And if you don't, that's your problem. Go somewhere where you'll get paid for what your labor's worth. Your labor sometimes decreases in value over time because you know what? You're making something that no one wants anymore. Like uh, flip phones. <laughs> like maybe your labor, maybe you're really good at making flip phones and you were really good at that for a while and then no one wants flip phones anymore. So now your labor's not worth anything because no one gives a crap about flip phones. Okay. That's your labor is worth what people pay for. That's what it's worth. You don't have any intrinsic value to your labor. Otherwise, you could just be like, well, I, you know, I really like sitting around and doodling. What's that worth? Zero. It's worth zero unless someone pays you for it. That's what it's worth. All right. I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, my God. How does my profit of work is not worth more than the wage? I don't. Yeah. I'm, that's a, it's a dense troll. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. Okay. Someone's yelling me about language. I'm sorry, Aditya. I know. I got language. I'm getting annoyed. Uh, all right. I did like flip phones, Jason. I agree with you. I miss flip phones. Okay. Carrie's sending me good vibes. Uh-oh, that means she's listening. I'll calm down, Carrie. I'll step away from the microphone, Marie. Don't worry. <sighs> I'm going to go. I'm going to let you guys go. I had a good show, or at least I enjoyed the show, even though Carrie wasn't around. I do miss Carrie, but I enjoyed talking to all of you. Hopefully, it was uh, it was helpful. And... We will see you on, I don't know if we have a live show this week for anything else. I don't think we do, but 
we might. Anyway, we'll see you on Friday. If we don't have a live show, uh, we'll see you on Friday. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Any criticism of cancellation will result in cancellation. Here's a fun lived experience, all carbon-based organisms are guilty of oppression against the silicon community. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. I'm sorry, there is no record of a character named Kara Doom in the Star Wars canon. Please check your request for errors, may the woke be with you. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.